is Australia. This fucking language. Let there be a thousand blossoms bloom as far as I'm concerned. But I ain't spending any time on it. Don't stop wearing the Speedos. You're listening to Decode, the Batuta Advocates podcast series for those Australians who have tuned out or never tuned in to the dark arts of federal politics. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. Hello and welcome to the Decode podcast, the Batuta Advocates podcast, where we break down the world of politics, the dark arts, the goings on, all that sort of stuff. I'm Wendell Hussey. I've got Effie Bateman in the studio with me once again. Effie, how are you? Yeah, doing pretty well, Wendell. How are you? Uh, yes, very well, thank you. And today I'm excited to talk about preferences. Obviously, there are certain preferences in life. Some people like coriander. Some people say it tastes like soap. But in terms of politics, we are talking about preferences in the terms of preferential voting and how people will be voting in a couple of weeks time we are going to have an expert on in a little bit to talk about preferential voting with us to help us break it down is anthony green he's the abc's election guy politics guy expert in all these sorts of things a sophologist which is an expert in the science of politics so he's going to talk to us all about that and yeah we're going to kind of run through preferences and how they work and what you should be doing in a couple of weeks time yeah, so unfortunately I wasn't able to join in on the interview as one of my horses got stuck in a creek bed and I had to duck home, but I will be popping in to clarify some of the talking points. Mm, and the horse is okay for concerned listeners oh, out yes, there. Oh, yes, yes. It's it's the third time this year he's done it. I, I think he just likes the attention. Yeah, fair enough, that little neck rub uh, when you get home. So hopefully uh, he doesn't do it too many more times, Effie. But yeah, Anthony Green is on and here's a little snippet of what he actually had to say about preferential voting. In the lower house with only one member, yeah. it's nearly always the top two candidates yeah. that finish in the count. The upper house is proportional, so we're mm. electing six. You don't need, in the lower house, in mathematics, they're the same system. It's like the number of vacancies is, you, you divide the total of votes by one more than the yeah. number of vacancies. In the lower house, you need one divided by two, which is 50%. In the lower house, it's six. Upper house is six. It's one divided by seven. Yeah. So you need 14.3% to get elected. The lead candidates on tickets will have more than that. And so there's a mathematical method they use to distribute what's called a surplus. Please explain. Oh, God. Um, I'm very lost, Wendell, if I'm being honest. Mm, fair um, enough. Yep. <laughs> uh all right, so I, I'm just going to try and give my basic understanding of how I think preferential voting works, if, if people are as confused as I am. Yeah, far away. Uh, so in a nutshell, preferential voting involves people listing their preferred parties using a numbered system, uh, such as one is most preferred and, say, six is least preferred. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, that's pretty much how it works. You go first preference all the way down to last preference, depending upon how many yeah. candidates they are and how many votes you want to put in. Yeah, so if I if I say put Greens first and Labor second and the Greens don't end up getting enough votes, my vote will then go on to second preferred party, which in this case would be Labor. Yeah, the votes and the preferences keep flowing on. And, of course, you would be putting Greens first, you French Quarter resident. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, of course, I understand. I assume you're just using that as an example. But yeah, essentially yeah. that's how it does work. And yeah. the preferences, they come into play in terms of two things, right? So you've got the... 
the small green ballot paper, which is going to be the candidate for their House of Representatives, right? So that's just going to have a few numbers. That's going to be for the local member, David Littleproud, here in the Maranoa electorate, which I'm assuming you'll probably be preferencing him somewhere a little bit lower if you're going greens first. And then you've got that huge, huge white ballot paper that's... um, probably as long as a Catholic family's Woolworths receipt for the weekly shop, that huge ballot paper is for the Senate. And so that's got all the different senators and Senate candidates for for us here mm. in Queensland, but for your state or territory that you're voting in. Yeah. And basically with the House of Reps, every box needs to be filled. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's void. Yep. But with Senate 1 doesn't really matter. Yeah, so you're supposed to put at least six if you're voting above the line. Yeah. And then you're supposed to do 12 if you're voting below the line for the Senate. We're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah. But then, yeah, for the House of Reps, you got to fill every single box with the numbers. So the example Anthony Grant and I were talking about was six, right? So like say six candidates, Greens, Labor, Nationals, uh, Liberal Democrats, One Nation and United Australia Party, for example. But there may only be four in a certain electorate or however many but there may be different numbers in certain electorates different members all that sort of stuff but yeah generally for the house of reps you got to fill out all the numbers okay cool i I understand that now (laughs) um all right well let's get back to the expert yeah this is how anthony explained preferences so here we go let's step back you the first thing they do is count the first preferences and you know you can order them one to see you know in terms at the end of the count there's one to six in terms of their ordering in their number of votes they've got They knock off the bottom candidate. They distribute the preferences. If nobody's got 50%, they exclude another candidate. And this goes on until there's only two candidates left. And the one with the most votes at the end of that process is the winner. Yeah, so rule of thumb, your favourite to your least favourite, one to six, just roll through. Bang, 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 bang. And then in terms of the Senate ticket, that big long ballot paper, that gets a bit trickier, doesn't it, if you don't want to just vote above the line? If you don't really know who the candidates are and you don't really have a view on whether you want to rearrange your favourite party's candidates. There's no point to blow up going to the line. You only go below the line if you want to rearrange the candidates. You can't mix above and below. Please explain. Um, so I keep hearing this above the line, below the line stuff. Can you explain that, Wendell? Yeah, so this is for the Senate ballot paper um, and it's, you know, that big fuck off bit of paper we were talking about. It's huge, got all the numbers, all that sort of stuff. You can vote two ways. You can go above the line or below the line. Because when you're voting for the Senate, there are usually six seats up for grabs in your state rather than just one in the electorate, right? So 12 senators for each state. Every election, six seats are up for grabs. So half of the Senate seats are up for grabs and we have to elect six of those for our states, uh, two for the territories. So because there can be like 50 candidates on the Senate ballot paper, for example, there's heaps and heaps there. I think in 2016, New South Wales had like 150 or something like that. So obviously you can't expect people to order them all, right? You're not going to go through and put 100 different preferences in there. I mean, if you really want to and you got all that time on your hands, sure, you can. But most people aren't going to do that. So you can do your six main ones above the thick black line and they're kind of grouped into their different parties in random orders. Or if you want to go below the line, right, you can then start going and voting 
below the line for the individual senators rather than from the party and how they've been grouped, yep. right? So like the Liberal Party, so they'll go, okay, in Queensland here, here are our senators. We want this senator first, this senator second, this senator third. So you vote above the line, you go for the Liberal Party, your first preference is going to go to that senator that they've got at the top there. Um, if you wanted to go below the line, then you can start going, I don't like the senator that the Liberal Party's got first. I'm going to go to the guy they've got fourth. I really like him. She's my mm. cousin he's my brother, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to vote for him. So you can kind of do that and you can mix it all up below the line. Above the line, generally, you're just going for the groupings of parties and you're just going Liberals, UAP, One Nation, Greens, et cetera, so on and so yeah. on. So that's kind of how it works. Um, the interesting one, right, is like why does below the line matter? Well, I asked Anthony Green about that, about how many people actually do it, and this is what he said. About 6%. So not a lot. Yeah, fuck all, really, by the sounds of it. Not that many people are that fussed about breaking it all down. So, yeah, just 6%. Anyway, here's a little bit more from Anthony about that sort of stuff. So the Australian Electoral Commission, who basically run these elections, they a spokesperson came out recently and said that there was a lot of confusion and then they're worried about people getting confused about voting and preferences heading into this next election. It's important to remember, is it, that people are ultimately now in control of their preferences. Why do we hear so much about preference deals and what do they actually mean in reality? To me, when, when people keep saying preference deals, it's it's just lazy talk. The deal, they used to do that with the old group voting ticket system in the Senate. There were deals and the deal mm. was there in the lodged documents yeah. and that's how the preferences would flow. So, And in reality now... Preference deals, lazy language, doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's basically they manifest in terms of um, those how to vote cards. So you see, they're given out, and it's yeah. and they tell you that as a guide, you vote one to six, yeah. and it's the Liberal Party will they'll have their yeah. listing of how they want you to vote that people may or may not follow. In That's terms really those, what preference deals yeah. are now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in both houses, in the lower house, it's mainly about informal voting. <laughs> Please explain. Just ducking in here, uh, informal vote refers to a vote that hasn't been done properly, so it doesn't contribute. Right? Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. So, like, technically it's all got to be done right, otherwise they don't count it. It's more so for the House of Representatives, so for our local member, Dave Littleproud. For it to be formal, for it to be counted, dressed up like, mm. you know, the end of year celebration for year 12 students, for it to be formal, you need to have listed all of the numbers in your local electorate in correct preferences. So even if I leave just one? If you leave just one, it's essentially the same really? as drawing a dick on the paper. Wow, okay. Yeah. Um, but obviously a lot less effort. And, <laughs> and um, a lot less Not as creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not <laughs> as entertaining at all. But that's essentially an informal vote. Senate, you just have to put one number. I think they go like, well, this is also complicated and it's mm. pretty tricky for people to get their heads around. So if you just put one number, that'll be all right for us. You don't have any preferences. Like, obviously, you're not going to have preferences. If you just yeah. put one number, you don't have preferences. They ask you to put six. That's what they try to say. But I think technically they will count the Senate paper if you just got one number. House of Representatives, they're not counting yeah. it if they don't have everything numbered. So there you go. And when Anthony was talking about preference deals, what does that mean? Yeah, so it's worth kind of explaining from what I understand. Preference deals were a much bigger thing in the past, right? So they had this thing called group ticket voting in the Senate up until 2016. So 
parties would do these deals for preferences. So, if, say, you vote for the Animal Justice Party. Um, as you know, a greenie, big animal lover, would, As a French Quarter do, resident, yeah. <laughs> you vote for the Animal Justice Party. They might have done a preference deal with another party, say, off the top of my head, Liberal Democrats, right? Meaning that if they don't get enough votes and they get eliminated, all of their votes will be passed on to the Liberal Democrats. And then they will have done another similar deal with the other party. So if the Liberal Democrats get removed, then their votes get handed over to, say, One Nation, Mm. United Australia Party. And ultimately, all of this then can flow to the Liberal Party because it's about finding the top candidates, right? So you want to get, say, your six candidates, 16.67% of the vote needed to get one Senate seat. So you want to get those top proportion of the votes. So what you do is you get all these votes from the bottom and you peel them off, peel them up, peel them up, peel them up until you get your top six candidates, right? Mm. So they were doing deals about where the preferences would flow. And so that would be all the controversy about Liberal Party doing deals with One Nation, how these deals were flowing, secretive, where people's votes were essentially going, right? But that's actually just changed now. So that's changed in 2016. So from 2019 onward, there is no group ticket voting. So you're in charge of where your preferences flow now, right? So you order them from one to six and that's how they flow. There's no secret deals where you vote for someone and that means they're going to send your vote off to One Nation, which, you know, Mm. horrifies someone who (laughs) votes for the Animal Justice Party like you, Effie. Now, this is kind of what Anthony Green had to say about it because I asked him. Obviously, we hear so much hype about it, people blowing up about preference deals. This is what he had to say about it. There's a famous incident in Victoria in 2004 when Family First, Steve Fielding, was elected. And that was basically happened because Labor was in the competition for, thought they were in the competition for the final seat with the Greens. And they arranged a whole series of side deals with smaller parties like Family First. Mm to get their preferences to try and finish ahead of the Green in the race for the last seat. It was their third candidate competing with the first Green candidate. And what happened was they didn't poll as well as expected. So they got excluded. And because they'd done this preference swap with Family First, and Family First had done swaps with many other parties, is Family First had got ahead of the third Labor candidate. And then the third Labor candidate's preferences elected Family First instead of the Green. Now, in that case, what it did, it engaged in game theory. It thought, I will trade away my right to determine who's going to win the last seat because I don't think my preferences will do that. Instead, I will do a deal to try and um, increase my chances of getting the third senator elected. That's what they did. Mm. They they did deals to maximise their chance of winning the third seat, but they gave up their control over who won the last seat if they were excluded. You know, on a on a two way choice, they wouldn't have chosen Family First over the Greens. So these deals were a big bigger deal in the past. Yes, now they are just voter guides, really. As um, Hector Barbosa, the uh, captain from the Pirates of the Caribbean, would say, they're more guidelines than a code. So these voter cards, they're just given out. Please follow this order. That's all it is, really, a preference deal. Anthony Green did make an interesting point about it, actually, so I'll throw back to him for this one. Just an example of what the impact is on this. The group voting ticket system in 2013, which was the last time it used, of the 36 state senators, nine of them were elected from behind on Mm -hmm. preferences. So a quarter of the upper house, that election, was elected by these arranged preference deals. When the system was abolished, 
2019, which was the first half Senate election since, there was no candidate elected on further preferences. Every candidate was elected on the party's first preferences. So preferences completely diminished. And even at the double dissolution in 2016, only two of the 72 senators were elected with the help of preferences that came from behind. Right. What the abolition of group voting tickets did and the, and the introduction of voters controlling their own preferences with optional preferences means that voters, it's first preferences that matter. There's no point doing preference deals in the Senate. And side note, you said you also asked him about how pre-poll and mail-in voting is going to work this time? Yeah, so given all of the stuff that's happened in the last couple of years, people working from home, people avoiding going out to certain places, being prepared, getting on top of all these things, I just wanted to know whether that was going to have an effect in terms of like how the election gets called on election night. And he is obviously the expert on all these things, so it's going to be potentially a factor so i just thought i'd ask him about it and see what he had to say this is the first federal election we've had since we incurred the wrath of the pangolin there in wuhan a couple of years ago it might look a little bit different this election is there going to be any major changes in terms of how the election gets counted in terms of pre-poll voting or remote voting or anything like that pre-poll voting has been increasing rapidly for the last decade Less so postal voting. Postal voting hasn't increased in 10 years, but pre-poll has. Up until 2010, if you wanted to vote pre-poll, you had to fill in a declaration envelope. Since 2010, you don't have to fill in a declaration envelope. You just get your name marked off the roll and you put your ballot paper in the ballot box. It gets counted. That's been the big increase. And so the amount of pre-poll voting went from about 10 or 12% a decade ago. At the last federal election, I think it was about 37%. So it's a huge right. increase. Now, they are counted on the night pre-poll votes. So at the federal election, they will be counted. But in recent years, they've had difficulty with the sheer volume of pre-poll votes. Pre-polls that go on for two to three weeks in one site. Mm. And you had pre-poll centres at the last federal election, the 20,000 votes. It takes a long time to count. Yeah. The biggest hassle with opening ballot boxes is you have to unfold all these ballot papers before you do the counting. At this federal election, they've changed the rules so they, they can start processing from four in the afternoon and they'll basically spend two hours opening those pre-poll boxes right so they'll be on top of it ready to go rather than the hope is that rather than these things reporting at midnight they might get them slightly earlier in the evening yeah so fingers crossed the huge amount of postal votes that are going to be sent in this time around are opened nice and early and we don't have to wait weeks on weeks for a call on who is going to be our next government Hopefully it is on the night and we don't have to wait too long. Anyway, that was Anthony Green and that was his rundown of preferences and preferential voting and postal voting as well. An incredible amount of knowledge inside his brain. Yeah, yeah no, that was, that was amazing. I, um, I've learnt a lot. There you go. In, in summary from what we've talked about today, few of the takeaways... Don't worry, there's no dodgy deals going on, no crook shit going on in terms of like how somehow you'll be voting for, say, One Nation or the Socialist Alliance Party or whatever. Um, You're in charge of the way your preferences go. But make sure you number all of the candidates on the House of Representatives paper if you want it to count, because if you don't, your vote probably won't count. And in terms of the Senate ballot paper, do as many as you want if you're going above the line or below the line, but ideally make it a at least six if you're going above the line and 12 if you're going below doing the uh, ticking of the boxes. So, yeah, that's that's the main thing to remember. Must number all the boxes on the green paper for the House of Reps. Otherwise, you're cooked on the Senate, the big old white one, the Catholic family Woolworths receipt. 
one to six, please. Do it. Uh, um, that's how you vote. Also, practice on um, the AEC site. They're, yep. they're, yeah, yeah, look, if you're really, if you're you're really, really keen, you can get in there and do a prep. But, yeah, otherwise on the day, if you agree with whoever party you are voting for's way of doing it, take their card and they'll tell you where they want the preferences to go and you can just tick them. If you want to be the master of your own destiny, you just order them however you want. So that is how preferences are going to work on election day, and that's preferential voting. Confusing topic, but hopefully we got there, Effie. Yeah, I think so. I, um, I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you right. go. Well, we're informed. You can vote. Get it out of the way, this whole election cycle. Anyway, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks, as always, for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our chat, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>